0: Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and our Lenten Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Obedience, well, it's something we expect from the, the pet at home, right? The family dog. Okay, not always, as I will uh, readily attest, my own family dog, she's a miniature schnauzer named Dixie, simply cannot control herself if there's a squirrel in sight anywhere, or even just to speak the word squirrel sends her off into a tizzy somewhere. No kidding. Obedience, it's something we hope for with our children. Okay, not always, as any parent will attest from personal experience. But part of growing up is pushing the envelope and questioning obedience as we sort out what mom or dad wants versus what I want. Obedience. Well, it's what we all want with the traffic laws, right? Well, at least we want it with those other people out there, right? And mostly from ourselves, too. Except when we don't. <laughs> Except when we want to make exceptions because it's just not going the way I want it to go. I'm being inconvenienced. I'm behind schedule, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Obedience. It's a funny thing. We want it but we want it often on our terms, which sort of flies in the face of what obedience is really all about. In this Lenten uh, series we're in, at the crossroads, our focus has been those crossroads that we face in life, especially in following Jesus. Sometimes those crossroads have focused on things that we face as we've heard, things like confession or betrayal, or as we heard last week, denial. As Peter denied having anything to do with the disciples and declared he didn't even know who Jesus was, had nothing to do with him. But some of these crossroads focus on us. Uh, on the Lord Jesus, things like uh, compassion. We heard that two weeks ago, right? As Jesus healed the servant of the high priest whose right ear had been cut off at the time Jesus was arrested. So today on this fifth Sunday in the season of Lent, we are at a crossroads once again. And we find ourselves with Jesus in the garden of gethsemane as he wrestles in prayer with obedience his will or the will of the father and that becomes the theme for preaching this day words rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for jesus sake following that passover meal with his disciples in which jesus instituted the lord's supper they all trekked out of jerusalem down across the kidron valley and over into the quiet refuge of this place called gethsemane located at the base of the mount of olives It was really a grove of olive trees with a a press in it for producing olive oil. That's what Gethsemane means in the Aramaic language, which is what Jesus and everybody there would have spoken at the time. Gethsemane in Aramaic means oil press. If you go to Jerusalem today, you can see a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. Is it the very same place that Jesus was in and in which he prayed that we heard in the gospel? That we cannot verify. We do know there's some very, very old olive trees there, some about a thousand years old, but none going all the way back to the time of Jesus. So it's here in the quiet and darkness of this Place called Gethsemane, that Jesus wrestles in prayer with obedience. Leaving the larger group of disciples behind, Jesus takes the inner circle of disciples, Peter and James and John, and goes further into the garden with them. And he told them what was going on, and he let them know what he needed from them. My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. But after the heavy Passover meal and the four cups of wine that went with it, the disciples found it hard to stay awake. We would too, not once or twice, but three times, Jesus returns from praying to find them sleeping. And his words to Peter are words spoken to us as well. Could you not watch with me even one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. When it comes to our own obedience to Jesus, our own watching, our own praying, we know all too well that however much our spirit may be willing, our flesh is so very, very, weak. We fall asleep. We fall away. We fall from grace. So what was it that Jesus was wrestling with so intensely? What was he grappling with there in the Garden of Gethsemane? Matthew tells us that also Jesus prayed, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. It is this very scene in Gethsemane that forms the first of our 10 stations of the cross. It's found on the back of that brick pillar to your right as you exit the sanctuary. This is the struggle for obedience there. In his human nature as the Son of God, Jesus wrestles with what is to come, what this will mean for him. And so intense and powerful was this struggle that Luke records Jesus' sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. This is an actual medical condition called hematidrosis. Under extreme physical or emotional stress, a person's capillary blood vessels that feed the sweat glands rupture, causing this condition. Here in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is at a crossroads. The future, our future, depends on which path he chooses And that cup image and drinking from that cup, this is one found frequently in the Old Testament. It refers to the cup of God's fierce anger, his righteous indignation and wrath over against the sin and disobedience of his people. Alone in the garden in the dead of night, Jesus comes face to face with the awful purpose of his life and mission to drink down to the dregs that last drop of God's anger and judgment on sin. Though he is the sinless Son of God, Jesus is also the Son of Man. And in his humanity, he cries out to the Father, let this cup pass from me. Knowing what lies ahead of him though, Jesus chooses obedience over disobedience. He chooses the Father's will, not his own will. He chooses us over himself. That life of perfect obedience, which we can never see in ourselves, we see in Jesus who submitted his will, his purpose, his life to the Father. And that obedience would lead shortly to betrayal, to rejection, scorn, and ridicule, a mock trial and injustice, political expediency, torture, and death on the cross as a common criminal. That was the mighty struggle in Gethsemane. Ten years ago in 2007, during the season of Lent, our congregation read through this little book. Those of you who were here at that time may remember it. It is entitled, Why Pray? Written by a man named John DeVries, the founder of Mission India. And it's in this little book that I discovered an important spiritual truth that I wanna share with you now. John DeVries writes in a chapter entitled, Prayer is Work, writing the following. Hadn't Robinson first called my attention to prayer as work by asking the question, where did Jesus do the work of the atonement? In the garden, in the judgment hall, or on the cross? Robinson said that in his estimation the real work of the atonement came when Christ's sweat drops like blood agonizing in prayer in the garden because Christ did the work of prayer he could enter Pilate's judgment hall with quiet confidence and on the cross he could say father Forgive them. I believe that without Gethsemane, there would not have been Golgotha. Had Jesus not wrestled in the agony of prayer, submitting his own will to that of the Father, he could not have done what he did on the cross, at the crossroads of our salvation, Jesus became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. And because Jesus became obedient unto death, even death on a cross, we are now called to become obedient unto life. For his sake, Christ died for us that we might live for him. When we wrestle with submitting our own will to that of the heavenly father, when we experience our own Gethsemane, the long night in darkness, when we struggle with praying, thy will be done, when we are tempted to take the easy and expedient way over against the hard road of following Jesus at these crossroads, Jesus meets us. He is already there. He is there with his mercy, with his strength, with his grace to help in time of need. We have this assurance, which we heard the first verse in that epistle reading, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is beautiful. And because we have this assurance that there is therefore now no condemnation for all who are in Christ Jesus, we are set free for a new obedience, one that is not rooted in keeping score, one that is not begrudging or half-hearted, but a new obedience that is rooted in praise and thanks for all that God has done for us, securing our forgiveness and life and salvation in Jesus. Thanks be to God, amen.